It was almost a, a month ago today that I was sitting in the home of the seven-year-old missionary I was telling you about in the video. His name was Joel Troster, and he was, uh, we were sitting there, and it was a, a hot day, as you can imagine, there in the southeast coast of Africa, about 90 degrees. Uh, Brother Jody, the air conditioner, was pumping as fast as it possibly could in that little home as we were sitting there with the coffees on the survey trip. Uh, the, you can imagine with me, it was a, it's a seventh poorest country in the world. It was a massive city as we sat there in the capital and in his home. Uh, there was cars going by, obviously not as nice as the ones we have here in America, but their cars were hustling and bustling and noises were everywhere. The Africans were dressed in their, their pretty colors and their, their African garb and they were going down the street and buying and selling what was happening and we were just in the moment. We were there and Miss Joan had just finished cooking us uh, a Mozambican uh, meal. It was done chicken and rice. It was delicious, Mozambican style. We were sitting there and we were talking to the missionary and he, put, he pulls out his little projector. Brother, Brother Troster pulls out his projector, and he pulls it out in his little kitchen table, and as we're sitting there, uh, me and Brother Coffey and, and my, my wife and Miss Amy, and we were sitting there in their living room, the air conditioner's pumping as fast as it can, and then Brother Troster pulls out his little, his little computer and says, no, I want to show you something. He said, I know you've been praying about the country of Mozambique. I know that you've been giving prayer to it for the past couple of years, your wife and uh, you and your wife, and he says, I want to show you something. He says, pulls up the map of, of Maputo. Uh, the province of, of Maputo, three million people, and he shows a little map, and he says, I've been working here. He says, it's me and one other American independent, me and one other independent Baptist missionary from Brazil, because he speaks a Portuguese language, are here in the capital. He said, you could take a dart, no one, you could throw it against the map, and he said, you can get to work, and you would not be building any other man's foundation. There's no other gospel-preaching churches. He says, there's five independent Baptist, church, independent Baptist missionaries in the entire country of 30 million people. He said that two, uh, two of them are 12 hours north, one of them is 15 hours north, and there's me and my buddy here in the capital. He says, but we're both retiring this year, Noah. We both ran our race. We both fought the good fight of faith. He says, I'm 71. I'm ready to go back to America and be a grandfather. He says, I'm ready to go back to America and see my grandkids. He says, I fought the fight. I've, I've put in the time. He picks up a Sharpie pen. He looks me in the face. He picks up a Sharpie pen off the table. He says, Noah, I've read my race. I've fought the good fight. I'm passing off the baton. He says, I'm passing it off. He said, will you pick it up? Will you bring the gospel to the country of Mozambique? And like I said in the video, the, 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 the burden of those 30 million Mozambicans fell upon my shoulders. The next couple of days, we gave, we gave uh, much time in prayer and, and uh, seeking the Lord and what he could do, and we couldn't shake a call. We couldn't shake a call of God in our life to go to the country of Mozambique. A call is something that you can't shake, I believe. Remember old Jonah, he tried to shake a call of God, and that didn't work out too good for him, did it? Remember old Jonah, he tried to run away from a call of God, and it's something that we can't shake as a Wilkerson's, and we're traveling the country, we're traveling America, looking for people who will labor with us and take the burden off of us, some of the burden off of us and put it on themselves and say, hey, we'll, we'll lock arms with you. We'll join you in prayer. We'll beg God to, to open doors and, and make a way and save souls and, and see churches planted and, and men discipled and men trained and Mozambicans won to Christ. We're traveling the country looking for people that will labor with us in the, in the cause to get the gospel to the needy country of Mozambique there in East Africa. And church, I'm asking, will there be some prayer warriors here tonight that will join me, that will back me up, and they'll say, hey, we're with you. We're with you. We'll pray your way through. There's nothing better than prayer. There's nothing more powerful than prayer. We're looking for people that will take some of the burden and say, I know it's a big burden, 30 million people on just a few missionaries, and we'll, 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 we'll rally with you. We'll rally with you. We'll get behind you. We'll cheer you on. We'll lock arms with you, and we're going with you, Noah. And that's what we need more than anything is laborers for the country of Mozambique. And we're excited, church. We're excited to take the gospel of the country of Mozambique. It's a needy, needy country. And thank you so much for being such an encouraging church, a, a church that's excited about world evangelism, a, country, a, a church that, that's sitting here in the, in the city of Dalton as a, as a shining light for this community, 
I follow you guys on Facebook. I keep up with your pastor, and I, I admire his leadership. And so we follow and see what's going on. And we saw even yesterday, you all had, what, over 30 people show up for visitation. Praise God. What a church that's going to stand for the things of the Lord. I appreciate the godly music that you're sticking with and the, and, the, and the word of God that you're preaching. Continue on, church. Continue doing it. And thank you for your testimony. Turn with me to your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to preach just for a little bit on a, on a topic that I believe will help us this evening, 1 Samuel chapter number 15. As we pick up here, we'll look at a, a man who's got some issues. And as, we, as you read through a first and second Samuel, particularly 1 Samuel, you, you want to, there's a man by the name of Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And if you're if you're like me and you're reading through the book of 1 Samuel, sometimes you just want to you just want to grab him by the by the by the by the coat and say, What are you doing, Saul? Why are you messing up here, and why are you messing up there? And he's the first king. He was head and shoulders above all the rest, and God chose uh, King Saul to be the first king of Israel. And, but, but King Saul had a bunch of problems, as we remember. King Saul had a bunch of issues. He, he, he failed several times, and pride uh, caused him to get puffed up, and pride caused him to think he's more than what he really was. And, and in about chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, God said, Hey, Saul, I'm done with you. I'm looking for a man after my own heart. Hey, Saul, I'm finished with you. I'm looking for a man after my own heart. And so for 13 and 14 and here in 15, we're going to see a little bit more of the process of God picking the man, David, a man after God's own heart. And it's, an amazing, it's an amazing story how the Lord is kind of, he's kind of done with Saul because Saul has just disobeyed the Lord. He's disobeyed the Lord and with the Philistines. And recently, just a minute ago, God called, told Saul to, to, to absolutely uh, kill the Amalekites. Remember that? He said, hey, I want you to wipe them out. I want you to wipe out the Amalekites. I want you to take the Amalekites and wipe them out. Don't leave anything left. But King Saul, in his pride and in his arrogance, he decided, you know what, I think I know best. You know, I think I know a little bit more. And so he, he took the king. Remember, he took king, and he said, I'm going to save him. And he took the best of the sheep, and he took the best of the goats, and he took the best, best of the oxen. And he says, I'm going to save them. And old Samuel comes up to King Saul and says, Saul, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? Why, what in the world? What's, what's going on? What was, why are you disobeying the Lord? And there's an interesting thing that we're going to find here, and we're going to look real quick in 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at verse number 22. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 22, the Bible says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken unto the fat of rams. Verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. He's also rejected thee from being king. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this church, Lord. We thank you for Whitfield Baptist Church. We thank you for their leadership, Father, and as they're moving forward for the cause of the gospel. Thank you for this church, Father, and I pray that you bless it. I pray that you burden our hearts now for the country of, of Mozambique, God. I pray that you'd send forth... Uh, labors there to save souls and change lives. Lord, I pray you speak to us this, this evening through your word, which you empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit. God, I can speak to ears, but you, Lord, we know that you can speak to hearts. Amen. So, Father, I beg and ask that you just hide me behind the cross, and Father, you do a work in our lives and for your honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to flip over two chapters, uh, chapter number 17, a very famous chapter we know of, of David and Goliath, a chapter that a lot of us can quote, and you can tell me the story, and I can tell it to you, and we grow up hearing. But I want to look at it from a, from a perspective here, from King David, the anointed. He, he's, he's, he's the next king of Israel in line. And David, he, he shows some qualities I think are interesting. I was reading through this passage and thinking about world evangelization and thinking about the, 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 the supreme task of the church and, 
and the supreme task of the Christian to evangelize the lost and dying world as I'm sitting here staring at the globe right, right, right behind you is the globe of the world, and our job is to reach the world with the gospel. That's our supreme task. And as I was reading, thinking through that and reading through this passage, some interesting things King David shows. Look at verse number 20. The first thing I want to see about King David in this story is that he obeyed a command. He obeyed a command. Look at verse number 20 there in chapter number 17. It says, And David arose up early in the morning and left his sheep with the keeper and took and went and Jesse as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. I want to look at that. It says, As Jesse had commanded him. Now, you know the story just as I had. Goliath, the old uh, giant, was there in, there in the Philistine and they were battling against Israel. There was a, there was a battle going on, and, and Jesse, and he asked David, he said, David, I want you to go, and I want you to go check on your brothers. I want you to go check on old, old Abinadab, and go, go see, see how things are going. Go, go, go look and see how, how, how the battle is going. I want you to take these cheeses with you. I want you to go and see how things are going on in the battle, and I want you to go and, and, and report back to me. So King David, sure enough, he obeyed his command. He obeyed the command of his father. He obeyed the command to go. I think it's important, guys, as a Christians, and I think it's important that I think God loves obedient Christians. I think he loves obedient Christians. Whatever the case may be, when God tells us to do something, he wants you to obey. That's the same reason why Saul lost his throne. That's the same reason why Saul lost the crown is because he was not obedient to the command of God. He wasn't obedient. He decided to, he, he took things in his own hands and said, I'll, I'll obey partially or I'll obey just a little bit or I'll obey just a little bit here. And, and God says, I'm, I'm not messing with that. I want people who are obedient to me. And you see something here in King David, the anointed man, the man after God's own heart. He was one of the first things we see introduced is that he was obedient. He obeyed the command. He obeyed the command. And the Lord God is looking for Christians who are obedient. How many children are in here this, morning, uh, this evening? Children, raise your hand. Maybe under the age of 18. That's what I would classify as a child. Yeah, under, okay, we've got, we got a lot here. Listen up, children. It's important that you obey mom and dad. It's important that you obey your parents. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, number 1, verse number 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. See, when you obey mom and dad, when you obey your parents, when you obey those that have the rule over you, you know what you're really doing? You're obeying God. When you obey, oh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. You, when you obey your parents, you're obeying God. Children, I, I encourage you, obey your parents. Be faithful to be obedient children. Be obedient teenagers. Don't be rebellious. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, as we just read. Be obedient to your parents, and then be, and in return, you'll be obedient to God. And us as Christians, if you're sitting here, I'm asking you, are you obedient to God? Are we obedient to what God's calling us to do, whether it's pass out a gospel track or maybe show up for visitation or maybe it's make a phone call to somebody, maybe it's being forgiving to somebody, whatever the case may be, we're all in different areas of life, but are you being obedient to God? God's looking for obedient people. David was a man after God's own heart, and here in verse number 20, we find that he was obedient to God. He was an obedient person. King, King Saul had a problem with that. He wasn't obedient. God rejected his disobedience, and he looked for somebody who was obedient. David was an obedient man. Not only that, I want us to look, not only was David, he, was, he obeyed the, the command. He obeyed the command, but secondly, I want us to see, not only did he obey the command, but he recognized the cause. He recognized the cause. As the story finds, look down, you, you know the story, he shows up to battle. He shows up to battle, and he shows up, and he sees this old, ugly Goliath. He sees this old, ugly giant, and he was blaspheming and making fun of the armies of the living God. He saw this old giant, and he was making fun, and he was cursing, and he was calling them names, and he was buffeting himself, and he was full of pride and arrogance. And King David's looking around, and he was just there to bring cheeses. He was just there to, to, to see how the army was doing. He was just there to encourage his brethren. But he shows up, he says, hey, what's going on here? Can someone tell me what's going on? 
So the men of Israel, they say, hey, David, this is what's happening. This man has just uh, set himself at war. He's just put himself up there, and he's now mocking the armies of the living God. He's defying the king of heaven. He's doing everything he can to make fun of our armies, and nobody's doing anything about it. The Bible says they're all scared. They were all, they were all timid. And David here in verse number 29, I want to look at it real quick. In verse number 29, the Bible says, And David said, What have I now, uh, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Verse 29, is there not a cause? Verse number 28, look at it real quick. And Eliab, and Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why camest thou hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. David said, What have I done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? David knew that there was a cause worth fighting for. He knew that there was something going on. He saw this, this Philistine Goliath. He saw this Philistine giant. And he was making fun. He was mocking the God of heaven. He says, what in the world is going on? Is there not a cause? Remember all of the Psalms chapter number two? Whoever wrote it, we don't know if it was David, but Psalms chapter number two, the, ver- the very first beginning says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. The writer of this psalm saying, hey, why are the heathen raging? Why are the wicked people imagining a vain thing? What's going on here? It's frustrating, is it not? You've been there. It's like, what in the world? Why are these wicked people talking bad against my Savior? Why are these wicked people talking bad against my God? If they only knew what he's capable of, if they only knew what a wonderful Savior he is, if they only knew of what he did for them, dying on the cross and rising in the third day and giving them hope and peace and life, abundant life, like we, you and I have, what are they doing? Why are the heathen raging? David said, hey, what's up with this, this Philistine raging against our God? What, what's going on here? He recognized that there's a, there's a cause worth fighting for. He says, is there not something to fight for? Is there not something to look after? Hey, is there, not, is there not a reason to go to war, church? Is there not a reason to fight? Is there not a cause? He recognized the cause. The world is not recognizing our God. The world is sitting back and they're worshiping their idols. Like, I wish I could take you and put you on a plane. I wish I could put you on a plane and fly you over to the country of Mozambique. I'd take you off there in the city of Maputo and put you in a taxi and drive you down the various uh, lanes of, of the road. I wish I could show you the houses and the, and the, the subdivision areas that we would call subdivisions. They don't look like ours, of course. Brick and mortar. And I wish I could show you and I wish I could take you to a road and I wish I could show you a little, a little fire that's been kindled. A little fire that's been kindled, but on that fire is a little chicken. Just a little chicken. Then I wish I could take you in, uh, a couple of feet further and show you another fire that's kindled, and on that fire is a little goat. You say, what, are they going to eat the chicken and eat the goat? No, my friend, those aren't for eating. As we talked to the missionary, I said, what are those for? He said, those are, those are for sacrifices. Those are sacrifices because they practice something called animism, ancestor worship. They believe that if they can offer a sacrifice, it'll appease the ancestors, and that, 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 they, are, that they won't have bad things happen to them. It's a bunch of um, things that they believe that they would, they would offer a sacrifice and maybe it'll appease, appease the ancestors and they won't get cursed or they won't get sick or maybe they'll have some wealth. And they'd offer these sacrifices 
they're raging. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. And I wish I could show them and take them to, to 1 John chapter number 2, where the Bible says, And he, Jesus, is the propitiation, the sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He's the sacrifice for you and for me, but he's also the sacrifice for those Mozambicans. And I wish I could take them and say, Hey, guys, listen up. You're offering a sacrifice to something that's not real. You're offering a vain offering. What in the world? Jesus Christ has done it for you. He's done it for me. He's paid for your sins. I wish you could say, hey, Jesus is your sacrifice. But guys, the, the world is not recognizing our God. The world is raging. They're sitting back and they're worshiping their idols or they're worshiping their ancestors or they're worshiping a, a made-up God in their head. Oh, our, 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 our God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of the praise of the world. David recognized the cause. He says, what in the world is going on here? Is there anybody that's going to do anything about this? Is there anybody that's going to take a stand? What in the world? But on top of that, if we're just reading through the scriptures, I want us to read through it real quick. It's pretty interesting what happens here. In verse number, let's look at verse number 25. Verse number 25 of chapter 17. It says, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up. He says, surely to defy Israel. And it, shall come, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make the father's house free in Israel. That's pretty interesting. Verse 26, look at that. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach of Israel? He's like, hey, remind, one more time. Can, I, can you repeat that again? What's going on? He says, what's going to happen? For, for who is he that uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? In verse 27, look at that. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. I think it's interesting. David said, hey, what's going on here? What? What, what's going to happen if, if this Philistine gets killed? The people said, hey, if this Philistine gets killed, King Saul is going to give them a bunch of riches. Then he's going to give him his daughter to be married to them. And on top of that, he's going to give you a tax-free uh, document. You're going to be free from all taxes. Well, good night. David's like, hey, can you tell me that one more time? Oh, you're serious. You're telling me that I can get rich, I can have some wealth, I can get a woman, and I get a tax-free form. Are you serious, man? He's excited. He's like, tell me that again. And so he asks him again, are you sure? And they said, yeah, this is what's going to happen. So David said, I mean, we're just, hey, we're, we're, we're just preaching expository messages, Pastor. We're just looking through the text. That's what I read. I'm saying, good night. He saw a cause. He's like, well, good night. This, the heathen's raging. He's, he's making fun of my God. And on top of that, there's a reward that's going to be given to the one who, who defeats this guy. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And I don't know if you read it the same way I do, but I'm like, good night. There's a reward. I see that King David saw the reward. He saw wealth and a woman and, and a tax-free document. He said, good night. Let's go. Is there not a cause? In church, I'm asking you, hey, is there, not a, is there not a cause for world evangelism? Is there not a cause to give our lives and to give our finances and to give our time and treasure to get the gospel of the world? Can I tell you, church, there is. There's a, there's a reward for world evangelism, a reward for those who give their lives. Matthew 6, 20, the Bible says, But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth or rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through, nor steal. And I tell you, I mean, the Bible is reminding us to lay up treasures in heaven. Lay up treasures where, where moth and rust doesn't, doesn't corrupt it and it, it gets defiled. There's a little story I like to tell. I used to work in landscaping uh, before I got married to my wife and we moved down to here to Georgia up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Don't hold that against me. I'm a Volunteers fan. But uh, up there in Knoxville, Tennessee, I, I was doing landscaping. And so I decided, you know, at 18, I was going to buy my nice 4x4 pickup truck. I saved up my money and I said, I need something to pull this trailer and my my zero turn, turn mower, so I said, I'm going to buy a pickup truck, and I saved up my money, and I bought this Nissan Titan 4x4 pickup truck, and man, I was excited. 
I drove, I drove that thing. I took it up to the, the state of Maine to work with my grandfather, an internship up there, and it, it plowed through the snow like nothing. I love that truck. And I was excited about it. I drove that thing, and I was excited to have it. It was one of my pride and joys was that stinking pickup truck. And I look back on it, it's so silly now, but I'm sitting here thinking, man, I worked and worked and tried to save up money, and I bought this nice Nissan Titan pickup truck that I moved down here, and I brought it with me, and I was still loving that thing. It was still working good. It's still running well. And then God called us to go on an internship to South Africa. And you know about internships, and I know about internships. One thing they do is they cost money. So I said, okay, there's gonna, uh, something needs to go here. Uh, we were just working here and, and coming, and I was working actually for Brother Stephen Cofield, his, his, uh, his son. And I was working there at the tile, the tile company, and I said, well, this obviously uh, I'm going to need something more if I'm going to pay for this uh, internship. So I decided, you know, I'm going to sell this truck. I had to do it, and it wasn't a big sacrifice, but I was like, you know what, I'm like, it's a gas guzzler anyway. I'm driving in Atlanta, and it's, it's taking too much money to, to drive this thing, thing around. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to sell this truck. So I decided to sell the truck, and I said, you know what, whatever, I'll get the money for it, and I'll pay for this internship, and, and, and God supplied. God supplied the need, and I, looking back over it now, I'm thinking, man, I put so much value on this little treasure of mine. Look, at so putting so, all this value on this little treasure, but can I tell you, the Wednesday night before we flew out from, from South Africa, we flew out on a Saturday, that Wednesday, I preached in, in Pastor Sipo's church. They're, they're at uh, Vision Extension. They're in Kwadawesi, South Africa. I preached just a simple message, and, and uh, I, I was preaching, it was, I, I presented the gospel, and I wasn't expecting much to happen because of the language barrier maybe, and it was a late night on Wednesday, and, but can I tell you, God, God did a work, and two young men came to Christ. Two young men walked forward, and one was named Akama, and the other one, I don't know his other name, maybe Jim or something, so what, and, like, and Akama and Jim came forward and accepted Christ as their Savior, and they accepted Christ as their Savior, and I was like, boarded that plane to go back home, I thought about, Wow. Was it worth the sacrifice for that little 4 by 4 pickup truck to know that two souls are written down in glory? Was it worth the sacrifice of just my little 4 by 4 and just giving up that little dream of mine to, to see two young men having a place in heaven forever and ever and ever? Hey, church, can we lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth? Because there's a reward waiting for us. There's a reward, and it's going to be worth it all when we see Christ. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It'll be worth it all when we see him. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. I love that little hymn. But guys, just thinking about the, the eternal treasure in heaven that we can lay up if we just, just give our all for, for world evangelism, seeing souls come to the gospel of Jesus Christ. People here in, in Dalton, as I was sitting here, I was sitting, we had a couple, a little bit of hours, I was sitting in Dunkin' Donuts just getting some, some things done for, using their Wi-Fi, and I was watching just different, so many different ethnic cultures coming through that place here in Dalton, Georgia. It's a mission field here in and of itself, and we can share the gospel with those people. You have the ability to take a gospel track and share it with all those different ethnic groups all over the place, and this is your area. What can we do to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And above that, may we think more, more just than just local. May we think global. And What can we do to reach the Mozambicans with the gospel of Christ? It's worth it. It's worth it all. 1 Corinthians 3, the Bible says this, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if a man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Can you imagine the day? One day we're all sitting before the judgment, the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ and, and there in heaven as we're all gathered there. Oh, what a day that will be. 
What a day that will be when, when our works are going to be burnt before. What We have a picture here in First Corinthians, an altar, or wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. As we sit there and we watch, now our, our righteousness is found in Christ alone, and our works are found in Christ alone. There's no works that's going to get us to heaven, but what we put in is going to be reward for that. There's going to be reward, the Bible tells us. There's going to be reward for that. And I see King David here in First Samuel. He saw the cause. He saw that, hey, there's a reward for for going up against this old Philistine. There's a reward for going up against this old Gentile. There's a reward for going up against this old heathen that's raging. There's a reward to be won. Church, there's a reward to be won for us. This church, Whitfield Baptist Church. One day, one day there's reward. David recognized the cause. He recognized the cause. And lastly, church, I want to see number three. He, he, he not only recognized the cause, but he understood the commission. He understood the commission. You say, the commission, isn't that something that we know in our, in, our, in our New Testament there in Matthew 28? Yeah, the great commission. But I want to challenge, I want you to know something. that I think David had a little understanding of something else. He had an understanding of the commission of his God. Remember, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man that chased and, and desired and, and, and hungered and thirsted after God. And he knew something about his God. He knew that, that the God of heaven wanted the world to know about him. He knew that the God of heaven desired that the world know about him, that the heathens and all the people around the world, every nation and tribe and kindred and tongue know about God. And you say, all the way in the Old Testament? Yes, my friend, all the way in the Old Testament. Look at, look at verse number 46. After there's a fight going on between him and Goliath in verse number 46, this is an interesting thing that caught my eye. The, the old Goliath was just taunting him and letting him know what he thought about him. And in verse number 46, David says something back. He says, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, unto the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David had spent time with the king. David had spent time with, with the father. He was there in the sheep watching the sheep there in the pastures, and he probably spent time with his God. He knew something about his God. He remembered back in Genesis chapter 12 when, when he called, called out Abraham and said, Abraham, come here, I'm going I'm to make of you a great nation. I'm going to bless you, and those that, those that curse you, I'm going to curse, and those that bless you, I'm going to bless. But in Genesis chapter number 12, if you want to turn there real quick, Genesis chapter number 12, we'll read that. The Bible, it's the Abrahamic covenant here in, in verse number 1. The Bible says this, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Look at this. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All the people of the earth are going to be blessed because I'm going to set apart this little, this little people called Israel. I'm going to set apart Abraham and his lineage. I'm going to set apart them so that all the other nations of the earth will be blessed. You say, how do you know that? Galatians chapter number 3, verse number 8, the, Bible, the apostle Paul writes to the church of Galatians, says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. David understood something, understood that God was a God who had a global vision from the foundation of the world. 
From the, from the day that Adam and Eve sinned, God had a plan to reach the world with the gospel. From the day that, that Adam and Eve fell there in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, the gospel is given. The gospel is presented. He says, hey, I'm going to send, a, I'm gonna send a, a Messiah. I'm going to send a seed, and he's going to save the world from their sins. And, and David had an understanding that, 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 that this, this God that he's serving is the God of Israel, but not only of Israel, but he's the God of heaven and earth, and he wants to save souls. He had, a, he, had a, he had a desire to see the world reach with the gospel, and he's going to do it through the means of Israel. Now, Saul didn't understand that, the first king. He was a, he was a very localized king. He wanted what he wanted. He wanted to do what, what made him look good. He wanted to keep the king and keep all the best of the, of the Amalekites to, to, to profit his kingdom. He was a very selfish king. He didn't understand God's vision. He didn't have a vision for God. In church, if we want to have a vision that's God's vision, we have to have a vision for the world. And I'm so thankful for this church as they have a vision to see the gospel preached among all nations and among all people, among all the world, because that's our God's desire. That's our God's desire from the foundation is that the nations of the earth would praise his name. Salvation was obtained by Jesus Christ on the death. In Galatians 3.14, the Bible says that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I, mean, I, think, I think that's amazing. Matthew, old Matthew, he jotted down that old lineage that sometimes when I was growing up, I thought it was the most boring thing in the world. But he did that for a reason and for a purpose to show you that Jesus Christ was the lineage all the way back. It traced back to the promise that God would send a Messiah and that in him alone would the nations of the earth be blessed. He died on that old rugged cross for you and I, and he fulfilled the law and the prophets. He said, it's finished, it's done. Now go ye therefore and preach the gospel to all nations after he rose again the third day. And then we, we, as we just celebrated a couple weeks ago, and now we have the job to take the gospel to the world. What a God, what a king. David understood that God had a commission from the beginning of the world. And David said, hey, that I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna kill you, old giant. I'm gonna kill you, you old Philistine, so that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. I'm going to do it because, yeah, I, I obeyed my, God, my dad. I obeyed my father, Jesse. I obeyed the command. I understand the cause. And now I want to recognize the commission. God, your name is going to be praised if this is happening. This, this story is going to go throughout all the world if you do a great work. And God said, all right, I'm going to do it. And God, a great victory was won that day. You know the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story. Oh, oh he took, the, he took the, the stones and he, he slung it at all the Goliath's head and knocked him out and he killed him. He took the sword and he, he, he cut his head off and he raised it up and, and Israel won a great battle that day and God's name was glorified and praised and it was, it was, it was, it was exalted. The covenant, the Abrahamic covenant shows the particular nature of God's dealing with the nations. The nations. He deals with the nations through one nation, Israel, and reveals only one way of salvation, Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing. Our God has had, a, had an infinite plan from the foundation of the world. Isn't it amazing to be on the winning side? Isn't it amazing to be a part of our king's work? Isn't it amazing to be a part of a God who's always advancing, who's always taking land, who's always going forward? And as I look at the country of Mozambique, I see that it's bound in darkness. See, it's bound by, by Satan. He's got the strongholds of those people, but our God is advancing. And our God wants those Mozambicans to cry out and praise him. Our God wants those Mozambicans to turn from their darkness and turn into light, turn into the power of God. How do you know that, Noah? The Bible tells us. The Bible makes it clear in Psalms 117, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. How can they praise somebody who they never heard? How can those begins call on somebody who they never even heard about? God wants the most begins to praise him. He's wanted all throughout time. 
that our God is a God with a global vision. Hey, we declare God's glory to all people and all nations. Church, I don't need to keep preaching to the choir here. You're a church that's involved with world evangelism. But can I encourage you to continue on? Can I encourage you to, to continue fighting for the cause? Is, it, is there not a cause, church? Is the reward not going to be great one day when we're gathered out on nations and tribes and tongues and kindreds and we're worshiping and praising the rightful King of kings and Lord of lords? Is the reward not going to be worth it? Hey, it's going to be worth it. Let's get involved and continue, continue, continue. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, not willing that any Mozambican should perish, not willing that any South African should perish, or any Taiwanese should perish, or any Chinese should perish, or any uh, American should perish, or any Dalton citizens to perish, but as long-suffering to usward. He's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. He desires a world to be saved. Psalms 96, an Old Testament passage, verse number three, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. It's been our God's desire for all people to be pleased. What can we do about it? Hey, church, hey, young man, young boy, young girl, older man, older woman, older, whatever the case may be, whatever age group we fall into, do we obey the command that God's given to us? Back in David, there in verse number 20, I think back, he obeyed his father's command. It started with obedience. It all began with obedience. He obeyed his father. Oh, oh, Father Jesse, you want me to go and take the, the cheeses? I'll do it. Whatever you say, he woke up early, he took the cheese, he obeyed his command. Children, are you obeying your parents? Young people, are you obeying your parents in the Lord? Are you obeying those that have the rule over you? Because when you do, you're obeying God. Are we obeying the command that God's given us? Do, do we recognize the cause? Do we recognize the cause? Do we see, hey, is there not a reason? Are there not people dying going to hell? Is there not a reason to get involved? Is there not a great reward to be obtained? There is. And finally, do we understand our commission? Do we understand our commission? I believe King David did. He understood our God has a plan to reach the world with the gospel. I want to get involved. I want to get involved. Church, thank you so much for being involved in world evangelism. I encourage you to continue on. Thank you so much for praying for us and partnering with us and getting behind us and moving forward for the cause of the gospel. I'm going to go ahead and pray and hand it over to Pastor. Thank you so much for the opportunity to preach in your pulpit this evening. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for, your, for being God. We thank you for being a God who saves. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this church. Lord, I, I pray that you would continue to use us for your honor and glory. Lord, would you receive the utmost glory for all that you do. Lord, we, we, we expect big things from you for we serve a big God. Lord, may we get involved in your commission, Father. May we continue to move forward with the gospel of Christ. You're such a good king to us. We thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. What a God we serve. It's in Jesus' name we pray.